are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 1 of the show, titled Parse Domine. We will not be discussing the season, uh, the This Season on Westworld preview at the end of the episode, but we will be spoiling everything through Season 3, Episode 1 of the series. So please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Gojo, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. We're, uh, That's good. we're in it. We, uh, we're here. We are, we are in it. Uh, we haven't been in it in several months, but now we're in it. Yes, we've been out of it, you might say. Yes. And now we're in it. And we are harnessing the power of technology to talk about a show that is all about harnessing the power of technology. <laughs> Absolutely. Because... Due to the good times that are being had around the world right now, we are recording remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a weird situation here in the United States. I'm sure some of our listeners are aware of it. Um, feels on the verge of post-apocalyptic, but we're all still here, and Westworld <laughs> is out, and we can talk about it over yeah, the internet. It feels, I mean, it has been off for a very long time, but it feels like it's been even longer. It, it, things have like accelerated at a pace that you know w- nobody anticipated but uh as far as i know i'm healthy as far as as you know you're healthy everybody around us is pretty pretty good so uh you know hopefully those of you listening are doing all right and uh but if not hopefully we can get your mind off of things for a little bit and talk about a very sunny and cheery show called westworld yeah it'll brighten everybody's day <laughs> yes um all right so nick i don't know did you watch many of the trailers and things that came out for this season uh no i didn't really watch anything okay i think i watched maybe the first trailer that came out which um was centered around caleb uh aaron paul's character and then at the very end you get that shot at the end of this episode with um dolores stepping out of the shadows in the tunnel Mm where they first meet up and it kind of was like oh hey guess what this is westworld season three. Oh, cool um yeah it's a very cool trailer and i think if anybody hasn't seen it you should go back and check it out but other than that i've remained relatively blind i haven't partaken in a lot of the reddit i haven't partaken in a lot of the other footage that has seeped out through alternate reality games and such so uh, I think we're both coming at it from a similar place, and we'll see how much those things drag me in throughout the season. Maybe I'll become a more informed listener at some point. But uh, no, I, I know that they did a thing at CES where Insight, the company that isn't Delos, that is featured in this episode and seems to be featured heavily in the season, uh, Insight was there at CES to do some type of Westworld thing, and they did something where they invited a bunch of journalists and had people comb through their backlog to try and learn more about them and their families and their lives and things like that. So they could be extra creepy and and advertise the show a little bit. But, um, you know, other than that, uh, this is my watching this episode was my first real exposure to this season. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Same. I, I went in really blind to the point where 
while Caleb's story was going on and it was kind of doing these really big, heavy cross cuts between him and Dolores's story, I, I thought they, they could have easily been taking place during entirely separate times or lo- locations or something like that. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that they would necessarily converge at all, let alone as quickly as they did. So when they kind of started, I even thought up to the point where like the, the little uh, plane that she was in landed and he was kind of there for the job. I was kind of thinking like, I feel like there's, these are two separate events, but they ended up tying together, which is great on many levels because it just goes <laughs> to show how much they've gotten into my head with the last two seasons. And I can't take yes. I can't take anything at face value, even though it's little there. I could almost imagine Jonathan Nolan sitting on the couch next to me and be like, "Hey, man, just calm down, just watch it. It's fine." <laughs> that, that's the thing. I feel as though um, I was listening to I, I at least listened to a preview episode from Decoding Westworld because they delved into a few things, and uh, Joanna Robinson mentioned that she thinks this season is going to be a bit of hey we heard you and we're not going to be oblique for the sake of being oblique um interesting but i'm curious if as you as you said they've pulled the wool over our eyes so much previously that this time where it's kind of it could theoretically hamper our enjoyment and and lead to red herrings that they didn't intend to be red herrings (laughs) so yeah at this point i'm i'm Honestly, with a show of this caliber, I'm down for whatever as long as it's done well. So I I spent the first two seasons, I think, not trying to be ahead of the ball, just kind of enjoying the ride. And, you know, obviously peeking into the subreddit once in a while and sometimes being happy with what I found and sometimes being frustrated and saying, what am I doing? Like, why am I trying to dilute this experience for myself? And now I'm kind of at the point where almost through necessity i'm just kind of like yeah i got an hour to spare for the show on sunday and then i got an <laughs> x amount of time to, to think about it and then talk about it and it's just uh I, I think this season i'm going to try to stay off the subreddit as much as possible and i think i've said that with every previous season and it's never come to pass quite exactly <laughs> like that <laughs> i feel like that, that yeah. that's going to be the sign of a really killer episode when i have no choice but to like launch the app and be like okay i gotta see what other people think about this <laughs> Yeah, well, we're also looking at a shortened season, so it's only eight episodes instead of ten yeah, this time around. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if um if things move a little faster or if if they uh how exactly how crazy they get how quickly they they go. So yeah, I'm excited. It'll be about interesting. That. I'm really looking yeah. forward to to the uh, more abbreviated time. I mean, it's only two hours or give or take, but it still could make a huge difference. Yeah, and the the. I think the theory was that they were basically just like, okay, so instead of, uh, I think they got like a reduced budget. So instead of reducing how much money they were spending per episode, they decided to reduce the amount of episodes and keep the same amount of money. Mm. Okay. That's a good, so, that's a good choice. Or something of that nature. Basically maximize their budget for, for each episode. So we'll, uh, we'll see if the gambit pays off and if we feel like, man, I wish it would have been two more episodes, but I think with where we are in our lives right now, we'll both be like, nope, it was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I'll always take, if the quality's there, I'll take an extended runtime. Like, I'm definitely on record as, as saying that I love, like, a good three-hour movie, as long as it's worthwhile, right? And if it's, if it's not just yeah. bloated. So, uh, you know, I think that by this point in time with this show you know i i trust the hands that were in so i'm sure that it was the right decision um and they made the most of it so i'm yeah i'm in i'm excited i i didn't i'll be honest building up 
to this season, I was kind of, it almost felt more like an obligation in the back of my mind. I was kind of like, oh man, like, uh, cool. Westworld is a very cool show, but I don't know how much I want a season three right now or how much, even though it's been like, feels like seven years since season two. (laughs) But as soon as this one started, I was immediately there and just right back into it and like, okay, awesome. I'm, I'm ready for more of this show, especially with the direction it's kind of going down. And after having finished this first episode, I am just all in again. And I'm so excited about the way it looks and feels against the previous two seasons. And uh, I can talk at greater length about that as we get into it. But um, I'm very excited once again. Very, very interesting words. I will say that uh, I am still quite skeptical of what this season is going to bring us. I was waiting and waiting for this a moment in this episode to be like, okay, here we are. And I never quite got it. It didn't. It hasn't quite hooked me yet. I'm. I'm just not fully in it. And I. And I know that after two years of you know desert landscapes and dirty western towns and things like that, I should be much happier about the fact that there's like a location change. But I just have not quite fully sunk into what the show is trying to offer yet. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll have to measure our progress where as the season proceeds. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm actually a little surprised it, it worked for me as well as it did. Yeah, and and I, you know, I get it. They wanted to offer something different here, and they certainly have. Um, I just need to know. I need to feel a little more Westworld DNA, and it feels like by the end of this episode we're getting there, but. I'm just still skeptical. So yeah, and that, that's a great way to put it too. It doesn't necessarily feel so much like an episode of Westworld, but uh, I dug it. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I'm going to break it down scene by scene chronologically. Uh, we open with a cold open. Uh, we get this notion of like a black circle made up of dots, and we see that there's been a divergence in Beihai, China. And in this first scene, we realize that Dolores has invaded the home of a Delos shareholder in Beihai to take his money and confidential files from his time working at Insight. He tries to attack Dolores and ends up dead due to Dolores playing a trick on him in his augmented reality glasses. Um, I tried to make my scene descriptions as concise as possible, so I think there's a lot that was glossed over there, but... Um, Thomas Kretschmann, I believe, plays the, the, the shareholder yeah. that was uh, on the rooftop, uh, previously known as Baron Strucker in <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely his, his, high, his most, uh, most prestigious credit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this, this first scene even gives you just kind of this taste of here we are, dense urban setting, lots of high technology going on these ar glasses with weird telepresence holograms and things of that nature super um internet of things connected house with lockable doors and fireplaces and things of that nature what did you how how did this uh cold open set the tone for you did you enjoy it what'd you think oh i did yeah i liked it a lot i mean any anytime thomas crutchman pops up i'm always pretty stoked he's one of those actors that is super cool in just about everything he does like he's a cool character actor i feel like he could have had a career as a leading man and probably does in europe somewhere uh, but anyway he's a cool actor and i, I kind of did like a double take i was like is that is that, is that him and uh sure enough 
Yeah, he does a lot with um, the relatively little amount of time he's in the episode. And uh, it reminded me in moments of like Ex Machina. And mm. it's, it's funny because watching the show, so if you were watching, if this was the first episode of Westworld, like season one, episode one, it would feel completely different. Because as oh, yeah. as soon as he's walking through that house and being like, tell me the weather, what's my schedule, lock the doors, turn on the, the shit, I'm like... I was like, dude, this is a prison that you're in right now. <laughs> you are <laughs> you are surrounded by booby traps and you got to get out. And it it uh just right away I was just thinking like these uh, something is going to get used against him. And uh sure enough, it it all starts to go sideways and it just the the uh fragility of our relationship with technology is so apparent when I'm watching this show I'm just thinking like man our world our today in 2020 just hang, the balance hangs by a thread and it's it's been that way for so long that we're we just are kind of yeah. blind to it now like I think back to like the plot of like GoldenEye the James Bond movie it like involves wiping out <laughs> financial records digitally and resetting the world and that's from 1995 like yeah, and that was that big of a threat then, and it's only been magnified uh, endlessly by today's standards. Let alone in twenty fifty eight. Is that what year this is? I think. I believe so. Yes. It's uh, it's just crazy. But anyway, it's it's funny how comfortable everybody is with all of it within the show because they don't know any better. But like as a viewer, it it really immediately reads as like this cautionary tale of just kind of keeping it at at arm's length as best you can, and that kind of reliance on technology is you know the, the pros and cons of it are both demonstrated really excellently in in this episode alone especially with some of the scenes later with Caleb and uh, I just I love that about it that in in Westworld season one and two it felt like it was only the negative aspects of technology like it, it was it was a wondrous thing for sure it's like look look at these hosts that we've created look at this place we've created look at what's possible what we're capable of uh, but ultimately, it's it's kind of sad, you know, like what people are escaping mm-hmm. to Westworld for. It's it's never it's never positive uh, for anybody. And this there's there's a there's a weird lining of sort of hopefulness in some of the scenes later in this episode, or just at least being able to see the positive applications of this degree of advanced technology. And I, I really liked that about it. Um, but that's getting beyond this opening scene. But anyway, it was a. It was a really cool scene. It would reminded me of kind of the horror of Ex Machina towards the end. Uh, it was really cool to see Dolores again, just kind of uh, just kind of running things. I love the the confidence in her now, and she, you know, if you were to go back and watch, you know, the pilot of the series, it's it's a, it's a different character at this point, and it's fascinating how much she has changed and how much she can change, and how much of it is natural and how much of it is artificial. It's uh, it's cool mm-hmm. to watch a character mm-hmm. grow that kind of can't grow, but can update. Uh, yeah, it's like a different meter stick that we measure that by. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and it's really cool. Like it's it's uh it's awesome to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to what you said, she has this particular line where she says, "You want to be the dominant species, but you built your whole world with things more like me." Mm-hmm. For some reason, in the first two seasons of Westworld, I thought it was gonna be. That, um, you know, the idea of the dog, the, the, the Joker's thing about the dog chasing the car, he's just chasing the dog, the car, he doesn't even know what he's going to do when he gets it. Right. You know, Dolores is going to get into the real world, but she knows nothing of it. However, 
it it feels like she's gone from a place where she was shackled and now she comes out into this world where there's all these new tools to play with in terms of manipulating the world around her that she didn't i mean she kind of had in westworld but um it's just kind of interesting to me that like i had this notion in my head that there was the safety in the park of what she knows and 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 kind of how she knows how things work Uh, especially looking at the way like Maeve manipulates things in season two Um, but by the time you know Dolores clearly she gets out into the real world she's able to just work this very high-powered dude over without even you know blinking an eye so it was very troubling and awesome and weird and cool and just kind of very it's a very unsettling opening of like it it reminded me a little bit of like funny games in the way of like Mm just this person showing up inserting themselves into your life and destroying things so yeah um all right there was a new opening for this season lots of different imagery we see like an eagle that's in an engine jet stream and the host touching the finger of a host up above it and breaking through the surface of water and they have this like uh, host printed dandelion breaking apart and forming into the ai brain rehoboam and then one of the final things is an eagle flying too close to the sun and kind of its its uh, feathers kind of melting away or whatever. Uh, did you like the new opening? I think at this point, is it, it, se- it feels to me pretty safe to assume that whichever animal is heavily featured in the opening of the series is supposed to be symbolic of the hosts. And this is probably readily obvious and apparent to other people but i've never thought about it that way before because i only had two seasons to go on and those animals ultimately kind of showed up so i thought it was almost sort of a foretelling of what was going to happen but in season one you've got the horse who is you know uh the original kind of subject of that moybridge uh Mm -hmm. piece in the early 20th century and you know a, a horse is kind of the ultimate example of just that kind of perfect engineering uh perfectly designed to run great distances and and with with grace and power and speed uh, obviously a perfect parallel to the creation of the hosts and at least as we see them in season one and then in season two you've got that uh is it a bison or a bull i don't remember i think it's a bison uh i think it's a bison yeah uh breaking out and uh obviously that does kind of happen in the delos facility but then it's also the hosts becoming this force of strength breaking free from their confines and, and where they are and then in season three, we've got the uh, the eagle or the the falcon, whatever it is, um, out, you know, free, flying, um, coasting on uh, that jet stream there. And then uh, you know, the bit of <laughs> flying too close to the sun. I mean, you know, the it's a it's a precarious position for the hosts and Dolores especially. Like now you're here, like you said, like the Joker's joke. Uh, you know, what do you do? Do you capitalize yeah. on it? Do you do you move forward? Are you successful with whatever you're? Your goals are, or are you going to fly a little too close to the sun and ultimately, uh, you know, perish? It's it's cool. I like it. It's getting a little. Uh, the fact that it struck me so instantly while I was watching it, I was like, okay, either I'm just the colossal dumbass who's just now catching up, or they made it a little too apparent this time around. But either way, whatever. It's cool. I always look forward to the updated sequences, and as each week passes and each episode goes on, kind of, you know. Uh, extracting what what certain bits of the opening sequence mean as you get more clues from the actual episodes 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that that imagery feels so on the nose, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun that I, like I'm trying to wonder, like, is this are they, are they foretelling that? Are they foreshadowing that? Are they red herring us with the idea that it's going to fail in the end? Like what what could it really mean? But, you know, the fact that I'm sitting here thinking about the opening to the show and that terms is like, all right it worked <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely it exists as a cautionary tale in today's world right i mean the story's so old it's been around for so long that it's 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 almost advice given before you even embark on whatever endeavor it is so uh while it is kind of on the nose i don't know that i'm i'm reading too i'm not reading too far into it as being like foreshadowing of what is or isn't going to happen just so much as like it's almost like the creator's warning to the to the hosts to kind of say like you know this could happen. Be careful. Yeah, that's fair. Very interesting. All right. So after the opening, we have uh, Caleb. We're introduced to Caleb as he talks to an old friend, Francis, over the phone. Caleb runs Fiber as a day job, but he wants to work harder to, quote, keep his scores up, end quote, and get a better job. He also provides money for his mother's medical care, but doesn't make enough to sustain said medical care. So at night, he does crimes on the gig economy app Rico. Caleb meets up with Ash and Giggles to bust open an ATM and steal the cash. They all go their separate ways with no one the wiser. Um, I've missed Aaron Paul on television. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely did. I'm really, really, really glad to see him in an, in another larger role like this. And, you know, he's just, he's really good. He's just good. Uh, the guy can do a lot with a little and he can just kind of be there. And I'm like, okay, I, I get the cut of this guy's jib. And he's, uh, he's really good at just playing a guy, like just kind of yep. a dude, even though he's not, <laughs> he embodies that. <laughs> he embodies that so well. And uh, he just has this kind of, he can alternate so well between like these, this aggressive, uh, these aggressive outward displays and then just like this kind of sympathetic, sad puppy kind of vibe. He's uh, his range in this episode alone is awesome. And I'm just glad he's able to, you know, grow beyond breaking bad in such a, such a capacity and pop up and, and so much other stuff. Yeah. The, the stupid teenager, Jesse Pinkman, who gets like dragged into things unwittingly, I think is, is certainly one flavor, but to kind of, uh, he wasn't really the everyman necessarily in that show, but it feels like Aaron Paul's kind of realized this ability to be that everyman. Like people can relate to him and and to to kind of put him in the show as that audience cipher for like, all right, here's me out in the world and I'm gonna interact with some crazy killer robots. It, it seemed like a like a pretty good move for them. Even when, when he got uh, cast in the show and they announced it, I was like, all right, I think Aaron Paul will do wonders in, in a Westworld season, you know, and provided we didn't have full context of exactly where this was going to head, but you could kind of assume, uh, you know, we, we knew we were going to probably be out in the real world at this point. So I, I figured it would probably work pretty well, but, um, well, are we, I did have are a, we though, <laughs> I mean, as as much as we can ever be with the yeah. show. You know, when when he was cast, I remember thinking, I just kind of groaned and I was like, ugh, I don't need any more characters. We don't need any, <laughs> do not need any new characters. But as soon as this episode got rolling, I mean, within like two minutes of seeing him, his whole little montage of uh, him working and all that, right away I was like, oh, this guy is cool. Like, I'm I'm excited to learn more about him and, and hang out with him a little longer. Yeah, just like him being personable with his robot named George. Mm -hmm. 
and you know all that stuff it's just kind of like all right i get I, I i know as you said i get the cut of this guy's jib it makes sense um i did have a popular tweet this week on our our twitter account over at westworld.fm or at westworld.fm um the way that caleb and dolores wakes up is pretty identical I, I, I would say at least. Do you agree? Yeah, I was I was struck by that too. I mean, you had sent that tweet before I saw the episode, so I kind of was paying attention to it. But as soon as it, it was probably by the second or third time it showed him wake up, I, I was like, oh yeah, this has the same kind of visual cadence to it. Uh, so yeah, I would agree 100%. Yeah, and, and so, you know, I, I posted on there, like there were people like, what, is, what does this mean? Or like, uh, you know, he's a host or like whatever. And as soon as I had posted it, I hadn't really arrived at any conclusions about it. But I think, you know, gaining a little more, more context thinking about the rest of the episode, I feel like I have some feelings about what it says. But at least for now, I can say it, it feels like they're setting up Caleb to just be this. I Personally, right now, I think Caleb is a human, period. I don't think he's a host. Do you agree with that? I think uh, I think he's kind of an in-between. I don't think he's a he's. I don't think he's a host, but I don't think he is a 100% flesh and flesh and blood human either. Uh, there's that. Yeah, they talk about him having an implant yes. at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and he's and he's talked about being shot in the head before. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's bloodshot. He's got to be. That's it. We're living in a <laughs> bloodshot crossover. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, I think they're. I think at least one bloodshot property is good yes, this year. Yeah, well, we, you know, we can't speak to the other one yet. We haven't seen it. That's true. <laughs> we That's haven't had true. our screening yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think there's a little more to him than, uh, but I do think he is inherent. He is essentially human, especially with given regard to his con- his comment later about uh, asking if the the person who called him is is human or not, and his kind of disappointment and frustration that it's not. Uh, yeah. makes me think he is a human but um, he just kind of has he has a more human-like quality to him than any of the hosts ever did and I think kind of rewinding just a, a minute I think part of the reason that he works so well and part of the reason we kind of all can gravitate towards him is because it's the it's the first time that we're seeing a human in this show who's effectively blue-collar and who is interacting with technology mm. in sort of a blue-collar way which again another yeah props absolutely. to them for the for the casting choice on that but he just really embodies that so well and obviously the nature of what he's doing i mean duh, it's, it seems like very blue collar work but you know tying him to construction and then having that shot of him having his lunch on the on the girder hanging there like that you know those famous photos uh you know it just it's a great way to visually establish who this guy is without him having to say much especially even the the shots of him visiting his mom and him just kind of walking and just the way he carries himself. It's very uh, every every man, which is really refreshing to have a character like that on this show that is f- so full of like really heady characters. Yeah, absolutely. I also think his, I, totally I mean, it, to me, it struck me right from the start, but it feels like they're really leaning into some heavy film noir influence for his character. He feels like a really classic uh, protagonist from that, era with like kind of the the detached kind of the vo that's kind of running alongside the visuals of him his occupation the fact that this kind of femme fatale lands in his arms at the end of the episode and is assuredly going to cause his world to turn upside down uh the nature of his kind of double life of he's got his day job his night job and his night job is getting his hands dirty uh for people it's all 
textbook. And it's another reason why I loved it. I was like, oh, this is really cool to drag yet another genre into this series and and kind of weave it in with the world that they've already created. It's awesome. I mean, they've done the Western already. They did uh, a little bit of the uh, samurai stuff um, that we got into. And now it's cool that they're mm-hmm. tackling very conventional film noir stuff and yet making it feel fresh. It's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you think about the 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 kind of gig economy, the Uber of crime? <laughs> oh, man, that was hilarious. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> you know, I'm sure this was one of the first thoughts in years and probably John's had too. I was like, oh, man, I want this video game. Like, we we joked about having a Westworld video game for the past two seasons, and I was like, oh, I want this version of it too. But it's like, it's just GTA, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's it's so it's very like I, anytime I start to think about the implications of it, like, all right, is this like a completely off book cell phone that he's got that like people can't try? I'm like trying to like figure out the how can this even exist on the internet? But you know, VPNs or he's using a VPN on his phone. That's how the government hasn't cracked. It's it's on the 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 Rico apps servers are on the same server as the Pirate Bay in 2015. It must be. So yeah, yeah, they're just always moving, making sure that they can't be taken down. Um, we did have a line here. He said one one of the times that he's talking to Francis on the phone. He says they say it's a meritocracy. The system picks the right people for the right job, which is great, I guess. But I don't know where that leaves the rest of us, the people who didn't make the cut. Honestly, I don't mind the bottom of the barrel. At least you meet some. At least you have some interesting company. Um, it's very interesting. Like I f- feel like he he also talked about keeping his scores up in order to get better jobs. It's uh, it, it seems like this. Did you ever watch um the Bryce Dallas Howard episode of Black Mirror? I haven't seen it. It's this. The whole episode centers around the social network where people rate each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard is. of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. Okay. So, so it just feels like this is something that's realized in Westworld now as well. You know, these people have their ratings. We get some talk later on about Rehoboam, uh, you know, kind of helping to chart people and make the most of their potential and things like that. It's like this potential score or something like that. So they talked around it a lot, but at least that's kind of the feeling that I got out of out of what they were saying mm-hmm. <clears throat> throughout this episode so yeah and that was another that piece of dialogue about i don't mind the bottom of the barrel there's interesting company was like such a i mean you could practically hear humphrey bogart saying that like it's it's perfect it's like something on a max pain yeah it was a uh, a bit of writing that really stood out and i was like oh this is cool man i really dug the whole vibe uh, it's it's interesting to examine westworld from that perspective from the bottom of the barrel essentially yeah, well, and that's when he meets Ash and Giggles. Ash is played by Lena Waithe, and Giggles is played by Marshawn Lynch, who's a <laughs> current quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it, it's fun to see this injection of new characters. You, you we're kind of playing with like new. We're used to the archetypes of westerns, but to kind of see these kind of weird cyberpunk people showing up, yeah, it is was cool. uh, is a lot of fun. The Matrix Four, basically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. All right. Any other thoughts on that section? Uh, I don't think so. Let me look at my notes real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, who is Francis? was one of my questions, which well, my notes are always so disjointed. I, <laughs> on, <laughs> on one of them I have, is that the bus with a question mark? But no, it was Marshawn Lynch. Uh, <laughs> we haven't gotten... Okay. No, that's where we are. Um, okay. No, nothing else from there. I just... I really like... I love the whole vibe. I, I really 
want to see more of it and I think we're going to get more of it. So lucky me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up we have host Charlotte Hale arriving at the Delo at Delos for a board meeting. The entire board is against her idea of taking the company private, save for presumably the largest shareholder who has left a machine proxy in his place. Against most of the board's wishes, she decides to continue host production and assures the board that once Bernard Lowe is caught, everything will be okay. So it looks like the whole bloodbath at Delos, which took place three months prior to this scene at least, who knows about the rest of the episode, um, is being pinned on Bernard, and Bernard is off somewhere as we will find out in the next scene um any thoughts on this once again we get a little more idea of like telepresence she's able to just mute a dude who we'd think was just sitting at the table but instead he's a hologram of course um things of that nature they're all working from home as well (laughs) yeah yeah maybe the coronavirus is still (laughs) out on (laughs) rampaging the the landscape in 2058 (laughs) (laughs) All the rich people get to stay home and work, and people like Caleb have to go out on the streets. Oh, man. You know, based on some of the behavior I've seen on social media from some folk I know, it, there's a chance it could be hanging around that long. <laughs> Hopefully not, yeah. but um, we'll see. Yeah, so so who is this really in Charlotte Hale's body? That's the thing. We don't really know. Um, we know Dolores took like five pearls with her. I think one of them was red. But other than that, I don't necessarily know. Like, I don't know if... Even with the host, um, the host Tommy Flanagan that shows up later in the episode, it's hard for me to understand if these are like actual whole hosts, like other people hosts, or if these are kind of like just Dolores proxies. Is she putting mm-hmm. herself into all of these people? That's what I was thinking. That type of thing. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, you know, I would assume she she mentioned, I think at the end of season two at some point, she mentions about how she's uh, read all of Charlotte's book, like what was in the, the Valley Beyond. So she, like, she obviously knows enough about Charlotte that she could play a convincing Charlotte to everybody else who knows her. But um, I don't know if that means that she coded like a new Charlotte who is sympathetic to her mission or what the deal is. Yeah. Or maybe it's just Teddy in there. Oh. Maybe that beautiful beautiful James Marsden butt is hidden somewhere in that in that uh in that Charlotte Hale body, you know. Yep. Maybe the Teddy butt counter will go up another notch this season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just like a flash of naked James Marsden as superimposed over over uh Tessa Thompson. Yeah, we have the technology. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think, but uh, that's that's a sequence that I'm very interested to pay more attention to as it continues to unfold to see, you know, how many angles is Dolores playing this all from? Yeah, I have to assume that the uh, one of the one of the women at the board meeting asked, where's the money coming from? And, and Charlotte's, of course, like, oh, you don't have to worry about that with private equity. That's the whole point. So I have to assume that the money that Dolores stole from Thomas Kretschmann is probably what they're using to inject as private equity. So Dolores will start taking more control of Delos. Mm. That's my guess. Interesting. My my not completely educated guess. Hey, so I'll take we'll it. See. Um, all right. We can move on to Bernard. Bernard is living on a farm as a man on the run. Bernard is the Hulk. Armand Armand Delgado. <laughs> 
Um, by day, he works in what looks like an artificial meat butchery. By night, he interrogates himself because he doesn't trust that Dolores isn't screwing with him somehow. And there's clearly a manhunt out for him. Uh, and it seems like there's a few guys who recognize him at work. Uh, I'm kind of sad that Bernard feels so far behind Dolores um, in terms of like, you know, they've had these three months to get away from that bloodbath. And he's had three months to try and figure out what Dolores is plan is and try to counteract that and the fact that he's just had to like slum it out in the farmlands i don't know but it seems to be what drives him to go back is to get some help i don't know i don't know if you agree with that or uh, what are what are your feelings on bernard's current predicament this is another uh another little feels like a different genre that they're kind of dipping into that i think is really awesome like i'm super into it uh i like of all the characters he's definitely the right one to kind of have on the outside like that on the run um yeah again it it feels familiar it feels like other stuff that we've seen but i like i like it a lot and i'm not at all fatigued by it i really i'm really glad though that we didn't spend like three episodes in the in the the abattoir with bernard i'm glad that he immediately (laughs) just got on the road and was like you know what i gotta go back to westworld and i'm i am super excited like like you were saying at the very beginning of this episode that you kind of miss that westworld landscape and and that vibe, I, you know, we're going to be back, I'm sure, next week. And that's that's yeah. really exciting. It's funny, Pretty only one episode removed. And I love all the new stuff. But in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, ah, I want to get back and see what's going on over there. And, <laughs> and we're going to. So We have to go back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> it's exciting. And I, I, well, I'm really. That's the thing. You know, we spent so much time with Bernard in season one. And then we spent, you know, a significant amount of time with him in season two that he feels kind of like the the OG character to me that we've been along for the ride with even more than Dolores. Like Dolores feels almost like this. Uh, she's kind of like Darth Vader at this point where like, yeah, she is a character. She's a pivotal character. She's a really awesome character, but you don't feel along. You don't feel like you're in the passenger seat along with her on her journey. You're just kind of watching her journey happen. But with Bernard, I feel like I'm kind of in it with him, kind of rooting for him. And uh, so it's, it's cool to see him making some forward progress and, and trying to, to figure out what he can do to avert disaster in his mind. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing is like this, this very, I, I don't know, obviously, I guess, I don't know if I want to use that word, but I will say very obviously feels a lot like um, the incredible Hulk to me. Oh yeah. You know, not, the beginning, definitely. it certainly falls into those tropes, but, but at least kind of like it, it is, it gives us a little more of that weird, world building you have these like metal husk of skeletons that they're carving meat off of for some reason i don't i don't get it but it seems weird and um just kind of to see him you know bernard was left in a real weird state by the end of season two and to kind of see some of that carry over where he's just kind of like i don't even know what to think anymore i don't know if i'm living by my own programming or if i'm just another pawn in this whole thing uh it's pretty it's nice to have like he's still in that uncertainty land but it's interesting to not be like we're currently on the same page as him it's not like we're seeing different snapshots of what he was doing in the past like in season two yeah that's true and helping to piece it all together yep we're right there with him now yeah again which is awesome yeah um all right we'll come back to bernard in a little bit uh so dolores attends a party in london as lara lara espin guest of liam dempsey 
higher up at Insight, played by John Gallagher Jr. Uh, Liam is being recognized as the technologist of the year, and Liam's friend Roderick asserts that maybe human life is a simulation, but Dolores brushes it off. Liam's right-hand man Martin informs him that their partners want to meet, and Liam tries to brush that off, but they're going to come to him because it can't wait. Liam then quote-unquote convinces Dolores to come with him, and she has some friends she's been meaning to see in L.A. anyway. Um, all right. Uh, John Gallagher Jr. of 10 Cloverfield Lane and um, the newsroom fame. I'm a pretty big fan of his. I don't know what you thought of him uh, in uh, this role and if he's you have cool. any prior experience. Uh, I remember him in 10 Cloverfield Lane. He was cool in that. In this, for some reason, he kept reminding me of Josh Groban. So I kept referring to him as Josh Groban. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I started to wish that it was Josh Groban. And then that led me down a whole other rabbit hole. Because <laughs> I just saw it. he was in an episode of uh, Parks and Rec that I just watched for like three seconds. And it made me yeah. laugh because he's in like those two or three episodes of The Office and he's fantastic in them. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking like, man, Josh Groban should act more. And then I got distracted by John Gallagher Jr. in this. And that made me start thinking <laughs> about Josh Groban. And I was like, man. How cool would it have been if they had cast Josh Groban in this role? Anyway. I, they already got Marshawn Lynch, Lynch <laughs> taking up all the stunt casting in, in this yeah. season. So Yeah, they shot their budget on Marshawn. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, Josh Groban was way out of the, out of the, the oh, ballpark sure. on, the, on the pace He deal. strikes me as the kind of celebrity who would be like, yeah, I'll do it for 10 bucks. Like, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. He's got, you want me yeah, in Westworld? He's got okay. money. He's fine. Uh, I did like this sequence. It's fine. It's the it's the stuff of the episode that I have the least amount to say about because it's all feels like territory we've walked over before in the past. It's a little more interesting now that uh, mm. Dolores is is there with them and watching her kind of take it all in. But she doesn't really do a lot. She's kind of there like observing. Uh, Tommy Flanagan though is such a baller and he he Incredible. is so <laughs> versatile. Man, that guy can do it all. Despite the fact that he has such a distinct look, he's he can play like just this dirty biker dude and Sons of Anarchy, and he he's in tons of movies. I mean, he's all over the place. And then here he is; he's all slick. He looks like he's in like the new John Wick movie. In this, it's just awesome looking. Yeah, and he's uh, he just carries himself with a really cool swagger in this. Uh, and I'm ex- I'm really glad that when that there's another one of him out there in the show to continue being around, <laughs> which is really exciting. <laughs> well, and to to go with your to to go with the fast forward there i you know s- sadly my my memory of things like gladiator and and the other things that he's been in it, it was it just feels so long ago to me that like when he showed up on screen i was imme- i immediately went to imdb i was like okay who is that yeah, yeah. because i feel like i need to know who he mm-hmm. is and i was right but um it, it's interesting because i feel like it was so very clear to me it was like all right this is this is a dude who's going to be the, the stick in the mud that's going to stop Dolores from doing whatever she needs to do. And and for an episode, I was right about that. But now she's become a tool of his, of hers. Yeah. To Now he has become a tool of hers to get into the system again. Like, it, it's very interesting to me the way that they set him up as this very menacing presence who, who clearly has control of the situation and handles john gallagher jr in a way that he needs to be handled for whatever the hell he's doing but you know it's we're leaking into things i'm leaking into things later on but the idea of like him being like i've been protecting this thing of your father's for 20 years now and i will protect it like 
it, it, it was it's nice to they even flip it on its head by the end of the season by the end of the episode where I feel like it would have been like halfway through the season of any other TV show where they would have been like, all right, now we have host Tommy to be a force of good or be a force of of Dolores's good. Uh, so so it's kind of interesting that it all moved very quickly in this episode. Yeah. You know? And again, I, I like that that quicker pace to everything. It just it's it's nice to not just spend forever kind of spending a whole episode of her trying to juke him and get some stuff done. It's just like, all right, moving along, moving along. Gives you the vibe yeah. that she has not wasted these past three months, which is also really exciting. Yeah. Um, real quick, one of one of Liam's friends, the dude who talks about the simulation in the simulation, is played by Rafi Gavran. He was in like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and he shows up in a little bit of A Star is Born. I've always liked him quite a bit, even whenever he shows up. Um, and even those two other roles are very different roles for him anyway and this feels like you know another weird thing for him to do but uh the whole notion that his character brings up of like maybe we're in a simulation of a simulation feels like feels like another red herring to me or you know probably was a thing that was on everybody's tongue by the end of season one and things like that but um you know do you have any thoughts on on that particular concept and what it means for westworld uh, it's, it's definitely the Nolan genes coming out and saying, well, we got to talk about this. I, uh, I'm excited to see where it might go. I think Dolores sums it up pretty well where she's like, I think that people will believe whatever helps them. Uh, I think that they might be in a simulation and they might not, but either way, watching the different characters navigate that thought is what will be interesting to see play out. Maybe not necessarily a commitment one way or the other from the writers, but just watching how characters navigate that. Um, or if it even comes up again, it may not. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Dolores, <laughs> like, there's part of me that was expecting Dolores to react to that question and be like, wait, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I just got out of this one and now I got to get out of another one. But, um, you know, it, it, it feels it feels like it's hitting on that main theme of like, all right, what what's real and what's not? And mm-hmm. does real even mean anything anymore and that type of thing, so... All right. Um, next up, Caleb wakes up. He interviews for a job and he goes to talk to a therapist in person. The therapist discusses his conversations with Francis and mentions a program that these conversations are connected to. Caleb thinks the benefits of the program are conditional on his participation, but the therapist thinks he has to want to move on too. After the appointment, instead of talking to Francis, Caleb takes another job on the Rico app and basically restrains and tranquilizes a drug user so he doesn't get sent to prison for taking illegal drugs. Um, this is where we start to kind of feel and get the threads of, like, Caleb was once a soldier, and at least to me it was kind of like, alright, this is some type of, you know, I don't know if it's monitoring him after he's come back from the war or how long it's been since he's been in the war and that type of thing. Um, but what did you think about this context for him and and Francis and who Francis is? Yeah, I think all that stuff is really cool. I like the, the, the kind of mystery slowly unraveling throughout the episode. And I'm glad we get the conclusion again at towards the end of this episode. And we didn't draw it out for like three or four episodes of just like, who is this Francis guy? And like having to piece it together. And I mean, it starts to episode seven, Tommy's actually dead. (laughs) Tommy Francis. Who's Tommy? (laughs) Tommy Flanagan. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, thank goodness yeah. he's not dead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, it started to kind of feel like we knew where it was going, but I really liked, you know, the show definitely has employed flashbacks a lot throughout 
its entire run, but I liked these little tiny just visual snippets of uh, Caleb running out of that building with his with his rifle, and we kind of knew that, like, okay, whatever he's seeing isn't good, and assuming that it has something to do with Francis. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we've seen this kind of thing before with the kind of he's not actually talking to him, but it was still it was still cool. I mean, it's always more interesting to see how the person who's talking to them is is acting and reacting instead of, uh, you know, wondering who was on the other end. So uh, it's neat. It's neat. Yeah. It's sad. You know, um, you wonder who, who exactly they were and who they meant to each other. But, uh, yeah, ultimately you don't really get that answer so much. But it's awesome that it was uh, Kid Cudi and we got a Need for Speed reunion. Yeah. I'm jumping ahead here. But yeah. <laughs> the greater need need the greater need for speed verse is expanding. <laughs> they were doing jobs for the monarch. And, oh my uh, god. Things things fell by the wayside. <laughs> can we can we rule out that the monarch is not the guy who's in charge of the uh I forgot the name for it already, but the uh the system. Uh, of uh, insight or Rehoboam? Yes. We don't know. It, I mean Potentially, we don't. It's entirely we just possible. Don't know. Michael Keaton could show up at any minute in anything, and I believe it. So, <laughs> oh man, I hope, I hope so. I hope Jonathan <laughs> Nolan is like secretly a massive fan of Need for Speed and just wanted to pull as many of that cast into this into this <laughs> series as he could. <laughs> it's just us and him. <laughs> oh man, I hope so. I hope Dominic Beautiful. Cooper is on board next. Oh my gosh, just oh, playing man. another delicious, another yeah. delicious villain. He's just Jesse Custer in uh, in in Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. There was a little bit there at the end about the uh the somebody on the Rico app hired him to put up a job to like basically tranquilize this rich guy who's taking illegal drugs that has some priors and didn't want to get arrested. So we get a little bit more of the class warfare of like, all right, well he's rich, so he doesn't get to go to prison. That type of thing. Yeah um felt felt a little ham-fisted to me but you know not not unexpected necessarily so yeah i think that you know a lot of people if they're going to get the messages that they're trying to illustrate they're going to need some ham-fisted but i don't know that those people are the ones watching the show in the first place yeah that's fair very fair those people unsubscribed when game of thrones ended, right? <laughs> yeah afraid so <laughs> um yeah, and one of the lines that uh, that Caleb has to Francis, he says, I think about what you told me once when we were being medevaced out. You said that they built the world to be a game and then they rigged it to make sure they always won. Feels like pretty pretty important to the central thesis of this first episode back, at least. Mm. And maybe some of the stuff that's going on with Insight, yeah. in, in my opinion, and Rehoboam. So. Yeah, I really liked that. I really liked that whole sequence uh, with them kind of drugging him and again stripping away the actual in in scene dialogue and just having the vo and kind of the slowed down shots and the music and letting that kind of demonstrate for you what's going on and watching Aaron Paul trying to diffuse the situation and uh how it was kind of escalating and just the you know the shock of seeing this naked guy freaking out and like the the lighting of that projector on him it was all it was just all really cool um have you watched any altered carbon i have not yet I've wanted to because I've heard great things, but um, well, not yet. It the, <laughs> that's funny that you've heard great things. None of those great things came from me because it's not good, but <laughs> it is good. Like okay. it, it's it's the kind of thing that you and I would like. Like there, there are movies in this kind of that have this kind of vibe where I can look at it and be like, oh, no one else is going to like that, but me and Alex probably will. We'll kind of champion it in some way. Um, 
it's kind of like that, but it's it's ultimately season one is not very good. It's way too long. It's way it it's kind of a slog. Um, it kind of just drags. And I like I'm I'm a I'm a Joel Kinnaman apologist because I like him a lot, and he is in just bad project after bad project. And he I think he just has potential to be so 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 good. He just keeps getting just the wrong kind of thing. And he's he's a good fit for the show. They just don't necessarily. It's just too much. It's too long. But anyway, there. This sequence reminded me a lot of something that would have been in an episode of Altered Carbon, and I. F- it took me like a year and a half to finish season one of Altered Carbon, and when I did, I was like, "Oh, thank." I was like, "Oh, thank God!" But at the same time, I kind of already started to miss it, and I. I was gonna jump into season. I watched the first episode of season two, and I liked it, but I didn't keep going with it. Uh, but anyway, this sequence kind of reminded me of something like that, and if something from that and if you ever do watch a couple episodes of it which i think i do think you should give it a shot it'll probably jump out in your mind you'll probably remember like this visually uh this kind of feels like something out of that anyway yeah that makes sense i i I will i will check it out at some point i know i i've i've wanted to because i have i've at least heard that it's something that i would like from you and from other people but um we'll see at some point but on a side note with joel kinnaman by the way did you watch any of Hannah on Amazon yet? Oh, I forgot he was in that. I haven't watched that yet. It's him and also Lyndon is in there as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's a little The Killing reunion uh, in some ways. That's awesome. And you should watch it because it's a very good show. Is he like the Eric Bana character? Yes. Oh, awesome. That is awesome. Yes. Yes. You will enjoy it very, very much. So get I will. That, you know, with all the spare time that you have. Um, all right. Next up, we've got Dolores and Liam arriving in L.A., and Liam introduces Dolores to Rehoboam, the AI at the center of Insight, built by his father to give every human a course to follow. Liam has to leave to meet with Martel, a s- mysterious partner of his. Dolores secretly follows to eavesdrop on the conversation. Martel thinks there's a mole inside of Insight messing with Rehoboam. Liam thinks that they should worry about real problems like the shit show at Delos, which causes Martel to threaten his life. He relents and leaves the meeting. Um, yeah, so I didn't necessarily do my research here. Rehoboam is the uh, is in the Bible. The name Rehoboam. Yes, Rehoboam was the first king of the kingdom of Judah. He's the successor to Solomon and the grandson of David of David and Goliath fame. So I don't know a whole lot about what that connects. If our friend, uh, if our friend original Joseph, who's the biblical scholar that was watching Preacher, mm. happens to be listening to Westworld FM, uh, please write in and let us know what you think Rehoboam means in this bigger picture sense. But um, yeah, for some reason, I find the idea very compelling of this AI that has used machine learning to figure out what each person should do despite the fact that that probably leads to a terrible dystopia what did you think of Rehoboam yeah it's like the uh, what it's doing futuristic dystopian aptitude test they give you in like middle <laughs> yeah. school or whatever uh, yeah it's it's a very it's a very cool device to to play with thematically I think that Every time I think Westworld is about to bite off more than it can chew, it manages to find a way to work that into what we're already dealing with. And it feels like we've been dealing with it all along, whether we knew it or not, uh, which is which is pretty spectacular on the part of the writing team. It's awesome, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about it and seeing how they work it into the larger world. I think it's also cool, again, we keep coming back to the the pace of this episode and uh, the way the season feels so far, and I'm glad that we just got right to the 
we cut right to the chase of, of Liam being like, yeah, no one's in control of it except the person who made it originally. And her being like, who is that? Like we've already, we're introduced to this thing. Questions are asked about it. Most of those questions get answered and then they prompt new questions. And that is very cool to me. I'm glad we're not spending forever. Just, just uh, barely skimming the surface of this thing. We're already just diving right into it. Yeah. And the, here's the thing. Like, I, I think at least some of my, I'll put on a little bit of crackpot hat here, Ooh. but I think those um, those kind of cards that we're seeing of the black circle made out of a bunch of little black dots is like the interface um. to Rehoboam. It's somebody watching because you keep seeing these like it's saying there's an anomaly detected and it's Dolores over in Bayhai that's and she's robbing and killing this shareholder guy and uh you know other things like that here's caleb waking up and doing something weird today i don't know you know it just says that there's like minor minor anomalies or something like yeah it i i feel like those are connected somehow and and i don't know if we'll get more um confirmation of that or not but i I, i'm uh, i agree would agree with that i i think in the in the larger scheme of things, it, it feels to me as though Rehoboam is this machine putting humans on loops in a similar way to the hosts were on loops from the humans in Westworld, you know? So I think there's going to be interesting relational aspects that feed into Caleb and Dolores's relationship based off of this, but we'll have to see if that's the case. Um, I would, that, 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 that line about if you what does it say it said in like the little um summary in hbo it said if you if you're stuck in a in continuous loop why not try walking in a straight line something like that yes yeah so this yeah. theme of these people caught in loops i think is definitely going to expand beyond the hosts and into caleb and then potentially to the technology that exists outside of westworld as well outside of delos i mean it's kind of crazy to think that we've we've been used to this world where delos is like Delos is king and Delos is is kind of reigning over everything and now we're in an outside world where Delos is just a piece of everything that's going on outside and sort of a piece that everyone's kind of looking down on yeah yeah absolutely it's a weird it's a weird repositioning of of perspective yeah recontextualizing our understanding of the greater world of Westworld mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think there was one other thing that I was thinking oh the uh oh i lost it i I had one note from the sequence that right as dolores was riding the motorcycle up um that i just wrote down i love the score because the score is so awesome yeah we've we've kind of moved into you know away from some of the player piano kind of stuff right and so it it allowing like kind of opening up uh uh ramin javadi i believe is back for the season i'd have to double check and make sure that but i assume he is and and to kind of let him play in a wider field always great um pom clementif shows up mm-hmm. as the mysterious partner martel kind of fun to see her in like an antagonistic uh sense when all i really know her from is uh mantis from guardians of the galaxy yeah so that was cool. cool i like her uh oh the one thing that i was going to bring up there was uh I, I heard about this on decoding westworld and she had heard about it from the reddit but somebody on the reddit brought up the idea there was a conversation between felix and sylvester a long time ago because Felix wanted to be a programmer, and he was messing with the bird, and that's what led to him giving De- uh, Maeve all of her powers, if you remember this mm-hmm. at all. Um, Felix mentioned something about, like, you're never going to be a programmer, you know? And it led people to kind of be like, are people assigned their duties at birth and things like that? But it, I wonder if 
that was a little seed leading up to insight in this season uh, uh, that other people managed to to catch. It kind of fits in with that greater. <laughs> that is. It'll be crazy if that's that is true. <laughs> so good. That is so good. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised yeah. at all if somebody because yeah. I mean it, you know the series is definitely drawing on like I've said already in this episode like on a lot of other established stuff so, and that that's certainly a, a theme that's been played with in science fiction for a long time so again there's nothing wrong with that like you a lot of all the greats steal from the other greats so um, I'm all for it but yeah I would not have <laughs> put those pieces together yeah me neither that that's all all credit to reddit on that one so um all right let's go back to bernard for a minute bernard goes into work one day he gets jumped by two men who recognize him from a wanted poster because there's still paper in the outside world for some reason uh he tries to appeal to them but it doesn't work so in order to fight back he hits a button to reprogram himself on the fly and take the men out fun to see jeffrey wright kicking some ass for once on the show yeah for sure. And I, I wonder what, what does that mean? Like, what is he doing? Because he's almost, it's almost like he's switching into like another mode because he's doing it when he's kind, he's kind yeah. of self-diagnosing himself. Like he's almost going down to like a safe mode or something. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, we're, we're absolutely going to get, I was about to say, I wonder if we'll hear more about that. Uh, yeah, of course we will. But I, uh, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Yeah, to me, it kind of smelled of like he's removing the human inhibitions. Mm. You know, like the the Bernard that was crafted, and and the the pieces of Arnold that are in there. It seems like, by all accounts, we would never think of Arnold or Bernard as a fighter, but because he's a host, he can he can do those things if he so wishes. Yeah, you know. So by stripping out or like muting his personality or attenuating who he is as a as an identity and allowing, you know, just full power host <laughs> mode to take these dudes yeah, out. Yeah, I was thinking like did did Bernard Bernard partition uh, a separate part of himself just just for these uh, instances? <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's got a he's got a separate partition. Re- recovery yeah. mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Target mode. Yeah, he uh yes. yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's um I was thinking to myself when and th- this applies to this scene, but it was an earlier scene where Dolores is doing something and she's talking to like her virtual assistant and she's kind of saying like book me uh, uh, an apartment here or whatever. Um I was thinking of the ma- of of yeah. the matrix and how they can obviously just run all those simulations and all those disks and they could just es- effectively upload that information into their brain so they have it at their fingertips. And I was thinking that the hosts are not, they don't come pre-installed with any of that stuff. Like for a second there, I was thinking about like if the hosts were in a, in a confrontation, would they know, like, would they already know like advanced martial arts? Would they be able to immediately learn? And then I remembered like, no, that's not the case. It's easy to think that way, but it's not the case. Like we knew that Maeve was very intelligent and very cunning, but she was not who she is until the guys went in and dialed everything up to 11 and so while the hosts have the uh, the the ability to be made into that they're not necessarily they don't come out of the box like ready to be super soldiers and you know super thinkers and that kind of thing which is something that i don't think is yeah. necessarily news to anybody but i had to remind myself because I, we're used to the idea of these hosts being all all powerful and they have the potential to be but they have to be programmed into that direction which is something that I think we kind of see that it's kind of essentially what Bernard is, is letting himself do. Um, 
but it, it's it's not it, it again only only intensifies the parallel between the hosts and the humans like as humans we every one of us is is born with so much potential and it's you know the the whether or not we choose to capitalize on it or what what sort of things we choose to put our time and our effort into you know what the what results those will yield and it's the same with a lot of the hosts you know a lot of them might just never see their full potential whereas they don't necessarily have a choice yeah absolutely no in in it like yeah to me when he was hitting that button it, it kind of felt as though like i i felt he was adjusting that like 10 point star that they were messing with on me mm-hmm. you know like he's dialing up his uh his aggressiveness to 10 and dialing his empathy down to zero yeah. or something like that, you know, so, now just somewhere yeah, his that, garage door that, is opening and closing <laughs> <laughs> his yes. car. He's, he started a remote started his car. So it would warm up. It it turned on old bill and he oh. was like, let's drink to the lady in the white. <laughs> old bill just crashes through the wall. Like the Kool-Aid man and just kills everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Oh man. All right, uh, let's keep going here. i got a couple more scenes for you. Uh, so Caleb hears back from his interview that he didn't get the job. When he tries to ask what he could work on to be a better fit for the job, he finds out that he was talking to an automated system. After the call, he opens up the Rico app and takes another job. I think we've all felt the uh, the pain of dealing with automated telephone systems. Yeah, that was a great scene. Short and sweet and to the point and got the message across. And uh, I really liked it. Absolutely. Um, Next up, Dolores tries to get Liam to open up about whatever trouble he's in. He tells her that he's not actually in control of Rehoboam, that his father's partner locked him out of it soon after his father died. Dolores tries to get a name out of Liam, but Liam's right-hand man, Martin, comes in and tases Dolores and informs Liam that she hasn't been truthful about her identity. Uh, This is cool. Interesting. Not necessarily what I expected because, as I said previously, um, pretty much any time, like, I feel like there could have been three more episodes of Dolores trying to get information out of Liam, right? Mm-hmm. Glad that's not the case here. Yep, um, me too. More room for Tommy Flanagan to be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more room for that sick silver head of hair to strut around. Oh, yeah. I was I was very curious. I was like, does that taser actually do anything to Dolores? Yeah, I don't know either. I guess a taser probably a taser probably does. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're pro- I mean, there's still some type of electrical impulses in there. I would assume. So. Yeah. Yeah, and then like like we said previously, I liked a lot of the stuff about the fact that he, you know, he answers these questions. He's like, I don't know anything about Rehoboam. Somebody else does. You know, <laughs> I would tell you this guy, but I can't because he would already know. And then like Tommy Flanagan walks in as almost to kind of be like, yeah, he does know, and we're going to deal with it right now. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Very I cool. like that. I like I like that character being reduced down to just like figurehead as he said it was such disappointment. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is good." Yeah, absolutely. You are not you are not the you're not the William of this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, Jimmy Simpson though. So so cool. Yeah, and I, it's like I I there's still part of me that's like, "Will we see more of him?" But we'll have to see. I I bet I bet we will. Anyway, That'd be nice. Sorry. Those nice trimmed eyebrows to make him look more like Ed Harris. <laughs> uh, yeah. Caleb shows up for his Rico job and is informed that he's delivering a purse and a car. He takes the car to the landing zone where Martin is headed. Caleb questions a man on the site because he doesn't typically, quote, do personals. But the man tells him to beat it and threatens him with a gun before he walks away. As he walks away, he notices the blonde woman in the chopper with two men. 
Martin exits the chopper and has his men bring Dolores into the car that Caleb brought, and they drive off. Caleb walks along the water and answers a call from Francis. Um, this is where we get the moment of Caleb saying, uh, this isn't the first time a gun has been pointed at me, and this isn't the first time that I'd be shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty pretty interesting. Did make me kind of be like, all right, is he some kind of host? But who knows? I'm sure we'll find out more. Yeah, more to come. We'll find out eventually. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about that stuff? The uh, the the quadcoptery Tron looking helicopter things are pretty sweet. Yeah, I figured you'd like that. <laughs> I'll take one. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And then promptly dive it into a lake of some kind because <laughs> drones are hard. Um. All right. Martin takes Dolores to the rendezvous point that was in her encrypted text message that I forgot to mention, but nobody is there and no one arrives. He orders his men to overdose Dolores, but it doesn't work. As a car pulls up with a shadowy figure, Martin calls the men out of the car to come and deal with it with him, but Dolores takes control of the situation and kills almost everyone save for Martin who gets away. She hops in another car to chase after him and recovers her gun from the dead man in the passenger seat. I, uh, I, the, the car pulling up and being in like intimidation mode, like the Batmobile was pretty sweet. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> And then watching Dolores kill people in the vehicle and then exit and kill people behind the vehicle in the rear view mirror and then kill people in front of the vehicle. Watching like the depth of fo- like the focus just shift was a really cool shot. Props to director Jonathan Nolan for that one because that was really, really sweet. Yeah, that was an awesome sequence. It was a, way, a great way to take something that could have been like kind of by the numbers and make it interesting and ramp up the tension a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we got like three more scenes. Caleb talks to Francis on the phone and Francis suggests that his comment about life being a game means you have to play to win. But Caleb informs Francis that the quote real Francis uh, thought that the system doesn't care about them at all and that he didn't have to figure out how to live in this world because he never made it back. Caleb unsubscribes from this treatment program and heads back to where he saw Dolores. So it seems to me as like they were using this as a PTSD kind of treatment program was what i got out of it obviously there might be more to it i don't know if it's necessarily war related um but did the moment land for you like him saying unsubscribe and like being like this clearly isn't gonna work it actually worked for me way better than i thought it would and i think this is something that i would not have bought into say five years ago in my life probably is something i would have been like that's stupid like why why did you think that that might work or why why would this ever work for anybody and I think that, or or why would you, f- maybe not necessarily that it would work, because I think that a lot of people would realize that it is ultimately you're just keeping that wound open. But um, I think maybe the, the better question is, would it actually make you feel better? Uh, and like kind of goes back to what Dolores said about if, if it if it makes you f- feel better or if it, if it works for you, who's to say that it's, you know, not um, not right. And I'm, I'm totally butchering what she said, but I think that the, the thought applies and I think about, you know, key people in my life. And if I, if they were dead and I knew they were dead and yet there was still sort of an AI recreation of them that was able to call me and talk to me. I mean, hell yeah, I would do it. I think everybody would. And whether you recognize the futility of it and kind of the inherent sadness of it all, uh, doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, you're going to, you're going to hang in there as long as you feel it brings you some sort of comfort or closure or you just give up on it like he did. 
Yeah, there's another um, there's another Black Mirror episode. It's making me kind of realize this episode is a little bit of a Black Mirror greatest hits in some ways, but or or at least we're kind of headed there. It's all dystopian future stuff, clearly. Yeah. But um, the one that stars Donald Gleason and um, uh, Haley At- Haley Atwell. Yes, Haley Atwell. Uh, it's it's a very good episode, and and, and just kind of the idea like you said like whether or not it would make you feel better does it get you over that initial trauma can it help you work through things at all like it's it's but can you divorce yourself from the idea that they've like probably just reconstructed some ai with what they knew about your friend or are you just always seeing it for what it is rather than like buying into the therapy of it you know so and this this is a moment that didn't it didn't necessarily land with me the first time when I watched it, but when I watched through the second time taking notes, I was like, okay, I can I can feel this a little bit better. By the time he said unsubscribe the first time around, I was like, Ugh, I don't know. but for some reason I was just kind of weirded out by some of the dialogue and decided to, to let it go the second time around. Um, all right, so next scene, Martin tries to make it back to the landing zone, but Dolores manages to take him out before he can get there. Dolores asks who has control of the system, and Martin tells her the name Serac, but she'll never be able to get close to him because he probably he has a system that will see her coming. Dolores informs Martin that he'll be doing that for her in host form. Host Martin kills real Martin and then heads to the helicopter to get back to Liam as Dolores mops up the rest of the situation. We talked about this a bit already as well, but I do love the idea of Martin being installed as a as a mole for Dolores. Mm-hmm. Me too. Very curious to understand if he knows enough about Martin to to really stand in well enough. Um, I don't know how much that the coming episodes might be about that and if Liam realizes that something is up or if other people that Martin has contact with are, are realize something is up, but I like the idea of it. Yeah, me too. And I think that like, uh, you know, we see this kind of thing in a lot of like mob movies where the, the level of trust in those those lieutenants is so high that they can frequently just walk into a place and like bark orders and people will step to it. At least the level of, maybe not the level of trust, but the level of obedience to like the, the foot soldiers and the, and the other people around them. And Liam, you know, is clearly threatened and intimidated by Martin. So I think he'll probably just go along with whatever. Yeah, that's true. He's got a position of power over him. Right. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, I didn't necessarily summarize it here, but this is also the moment where, Dolores uh, falls into Caleb's arms as well. It's basically the end of the episode. There are two short scenes after that, but yeah, again, it's just uh, it's awesome. It reminds me actually of I used the phrase femme fatale earlier, and it reminds me of the the comic book fatale, like straight up, where there's this. I mean, there's a series of men that this this woman keeps interacting with over over like years, and the same situation happens to all of them. It's really it kind of gets silly by the end, but like in a good way. Where, like these guys are going about their lives and this this beautiful mysterious woman with a checkered past literally like falls into their arms and they have to like help her and she's totally like damsel in distress yet has like is the most powerful person in the room at all times and it's uh it's just perfect yeah absolutely i uh there were some people that noted that it was a very similar fall into the the man's arms that happened as with william in the first season as well mm-hmm. yeah um which is a, a cool call pre- callback, at least. Um, Definitely. There were also I had somebody that retweeted the uh, the tweet that I had I had uh, made about how similar they were waking up, Caleb and Dolores, and they said, 
Let me try and find it here. I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, it was a very interesting point, so I hope I still have it here somewhere. I think I lost it. But they basically were just kind of like, if this all leads to some sort of stupid, like, heterosexual, these people were meant for each other kind of thing, then I'm going to be kind of pissed. <laughs> I think I think she said I'm gonna go into Jonathan and Lisa's house and and burn it down or something like that. Which you know we'll see where the story goes. I don't necessarily think it's gonna be headed there. I don't think it's Evan just, Rachel uh, Wood would let it head there. You know? <laughs> it's just the uh, the scene from the beach from uh, uh, the end of season one where she falls into Teddy's arms by the beach and they're all there watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what they were like trying to skewer in that scene. I forgot what that scene was called or what his little storyline was called, but it was journey into night. That's right. (laughs) It was perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what we saw journey into night. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so there's two other little scenes. We have Bernard hiring a boat captain to get himself back into Westworld. Pretty cool. Very cool. It's kind of, it's kind of fun that he like points to somewhere in the middle of the sea and the dude's like, why, why are you going there? He's just like Westworld. Oh yeah. So and then the guy kind of looks at him like, ah, all right. For some reason it reminded me of the movie Mortal Kombat with that like shitty boat that they take <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. to get to the tournament. And I want to like see scenes of Bernard in the boat in the next episode and then intercut it with the shots of Scorpion and Sub-Zero coming out of that door below deck. <laughs> so sweet beautiful with the uh with the song chinese ninja warrior playing in the background obviously (laughs) all right and then we did get a little post post credit scene uh did you see the post credit scene i don't maybe what was it with mave no i did not okay well there's a post credit scene with mave it's very short she wakes up in an unfamiliar place with nice clothes and her makeup done she finds a dead German and a gagged German in the room next door. She looks out her window to find herself in a Nazi-controlled town in Europe, giving us our first glance of War World. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it it looks like, obviously, Maeve has been reinserted back into the park. Uh, and, and it's my guess that Bernard is probably headed back to the park to get some help, and that will probably be Maeve. Yeah. Hmm. but to to see this new environment and it is i think it was officially deemed war world it was revealed on the dallas destinations website leading up to the season Uh, but it looks like there's like a nazi occupied germany or some european country that they have that guests can come and act out either the fantasy of killing nazis or the fantasy of being one Hmm. so that'll be interesting (laughs) some weird hitler crossover between our tv recap shows here yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to watch that then so, i we'll didn't, see how I didn't that realize goes. that there was something after i have to go watch it yeah it was it was kind of it was buried in those credits a little bit it wasn't like it wasn't at the very very end but it was um it was late enough in there that i feel like it was pretty easy to miss i was i was shocked that it happened because i think i was like i pulled my phone out and i went on twitter to see what people were saying and then it started up i was like oh so i should have let you know about that but i didn't because we're not professionals here. <laughs> well, we play them on TV. Yes, we we play them on the podcast uh, feed. Well, it's been a yeah. it's been an unusual week for scheduling and and a lifestyle adjustments in general. So we're still finding our footing and getting back into the swing of things. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, you know, we're we're doing our best. I'm glad we got something recorded this week, and uh, and you know, we're excited for more Westworld. I think. Absolutely. 
I, I, I will say, watching it the second time through, things did land better for me than they did the first time. I think it was just a little bit of okay culture that's, shock. Yeah, that's good. That's a good sign because they landed so well for me the first time that if I watched it again, they might land even better. Y- yeah, and 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 uh, I I think it's just you know warming up to what they're trying to to pull off. There was a lot to set up in this episode, and I think they did it pretty well. It was just it, it, I was I was nervous about it for some reason. Well, I think I think that's understandable because I mean the first two seasons are so strong that you. We keep waiting for like a big misstep and nobody wants it, but it feels like it's, it might happen. So, uh, we just don't want it to. Yeah. These damn Nolans and their good track records. Dude. So that's exactly what I was going to say. We're all waiting for Christopher Nolan to make a dud cause he hasn't. It's absurd. At least not in my, not in most popular opinion. There's plenty of poo pooers out there for certain of his movies, but we all think he's doing great over here. Well, he might have a whole nother year to make sure tenants. Okay. So <laughs> oh my God. No, he'll just release it. He'll be like, whatever, put it out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But it will never see VOD before a theater, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, no, I'm I'm really happy with where we the characters that we caught up with, even though there weren't that many of them. It definitely felt like the sort of key players, tier one of key players, and I really like the new characters a lot. Uh, I'm actually incredibly pleasantly surprised with how much I like them and how okay I am with it all. I'm really looking forward to catching up with the rest of the gang from Westworld, though, and seeing those familiar faces get uh, get reintroduced to us. It'll be uh, it'll be really fun to see see all of them again. Those that still remain, anyway. Awesome. Yeah, I I pretty much agree with all that, despite being a little more lukewarm on the reception of this one. But I think I I'm hoping it's only you know even better received by myself from here on out so yeah i hope so too all right once again you can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm we're also on itunes stitcher radio and google play music or google play podcasts i think it's called now since we haven't recorded one of these in two years we're also westworld fm on twitter and you can email us at westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on hbo's westworld so we can read them on our show Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin MacLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week, and we're excited for the next episode of Westworld. We'll have another episode of our podcast out after that, but until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.